If you like what you hear, consider subscribing and giving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Especially early in the feed, subscriptions and reviews are super helpful for bringing new listeners our way. Thank you! Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm Josh Maltby, at BlackCloakDM on Twitter. I am Brandon Dingus, very tired, but also at Way of Brandalore on Twitter. You know, uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Both of us have had very long days. Yeah. Uh, I think I think we're both feeling a little a little punchy, so this will be uh this will be interesting to see how this one turns out. Yeah. Let's let's start off with uh this really punchy thing, just because when I saw this, I was just like, damn it! Because after we spend like more than an hour talking about the fantasy flight star wars rpg like whatever happened to that oh okay the rights got sold oh it's been through like three different companies and then uh, over the weekend uh for, it was like for free rpg day uh they announced that a new star wars tabletop role-playing games on the way from i think essentially the same people <laughs> the thing i hadn't realized uh and this news article gets into it a lot better than i will uh but the person who founded edge studio who is now the rights holder of the fantasy flight games star wars rpg is one of the primary writers of the fantasy flight games star wars rpg yeah i'm reading i'm reading a story on polygon about it and it is remarkably threadbare with details but um yeah it talks about how uh, age of rebellion force and destiny edge of the empire helped uh make the game a little bit more uh synced up with the actual cinematic stuff rather than the um the expanded universe which is what it's called i don't care if anybody wants to come at me with legends but it's the star wars expanded universe thank you very much but yeah that guy's name is sam gregor stewart and he was the lead developer on Edge of the Empire. And now he's the RPG manager for Edge Studio. And didn't we determine that Edge Studio actually was more of just a translation hub, largely, where they translated a lot of RPGs into other languages? Yeah, specifically into, like, Spanish, which mm-hmm. I thought was I thought was interesting for them to go from being kind of a language translation company into being a full-on, like, game publisher. But maybe uh i don't know maybe this falls in line with the sort of stuff they were already doing i will Mm -hmm. say regarding uh anybody who wants to come after you for saying expanded universe instead of legends uh as much stuff as john favreau is bringing back as much stuff like between the clone wars animated series and all of the spinoffs of that and the mandalorian a lot of stuff that used to be canon and then Disney said, oh, no, that's not canon anymore is suddenly canon again. So I don't think anybody can come after you, quite frankly. Yeah, I want to I want to talk just for another couple more minutes about this Star Wars thing, because um, he says fans should expect something different this time around, but also wants to keep some continuity to the franchise. That reads just like such doublespeak to me. Like it's going to be new and different, but don't worry, it won't be too different. Well, this is like that scene in The Simpsons, right, where they have all the kids as a test group, <laughs> and they're like, "So, do you want things to be more like orderly and structured and make sense, or do you want it to be chaos and wacky, zany, fun times all the time?" And they're like, "Yes." And he's like, "Which?" And they're like, "Yes." And he's like, "So you want both?" And they're like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Ugh." Sam Gregor Stewart died on the way back to his planet. Um, it it really I, feels to me like this is a let's do it differently so we can say we did it differently so we can make more money off of it. Because he's like, I'm really thrilled to have the chance to try something new uh, from the announcement post. It's like, I hope we can create something fresh for our fans at the same time creating something that's going to awaken the same passion for Star Wars in a new generation that I felt growing up. I don't think we've reached a point where Edge of the Empire at all can be considered from another generation. No, I think that's fair. The thing I will say is that I had hesitation about the concept of like somebody else coming along and picking up the banner and carrying it off in a new but in a new but familiar direction. 
until I saw that he was one of the primary writers on the previous system. So I, I don't think he's going to go too buck wild with everything. I think probably what we're going to get, and this is just a guess. So put your, put your theory caps on folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what we're going to get is something that is still Star Wars Fantasy Flight Games RPG, but it's a different core rule set that involves the First Order era of the this particular setting. Kind of like how they've got like the Edge of the Empire is right after the Empire's taken everything over, but before they've really gained a full foothold on everything. Age of Rebellion is about like when they've got the rebels fighting back against the empire. And so it's just like a lot of war everywhere. And then, um, I always forget it's force and destiny. There we go. Uh, force and destiny where it's like more, not quite Knights of the old Republic, but kind of more in that sort of vein. Um, I think it's going to be that concept where it's just a different era of stuff and then some of the things that are more focused in that era. So they'll probably have like a Kylo Ren's goofy lightsaber available as an item in the book. I think they should, uh, the next one that comes out should be more adult oriented and they can call it Knights of the Old Republic. Oh yeah. <laughs> These uh, are the droids you're looking for. but it's done with r2 beeps (laughs) instead of bass um i don't know this guy being like the lead developer on the old game that actually gives me less hope that this will be different this is not a new hope for me uh because i just feel like he's gonna be he's either gonna be so tied to what he did before or he's one of just gonna run in a completely different direction on it and i think the odds are more toward the former rather than the latter on that well that's that's kind of what i'm saying it sounds like you and i feel very differently about that news uh Mm -hmm. because i find it kind of reassuring because i like the system and i I don't want it to change too much i'm i don't want it to sound like i'm i'm a zealot on either side of it it's like i'm i'm really (laughs) sort of ambiguous about it mainly because i have no like emotional attachment to the system just looking at it like purely objectively from a creative standpoint i feel like him being part of the old creative team inherently makes it difficult for him to do something truly new with this well yeah i don't i think the when he says he's going to try and do something new but it's going to be familiar i think Mm -hmm. what he means by that is yeah, we're not going to change that much about the system itself, but we are going to have a new setting for everyone that's got new places to visit, new NPCs, and et cetera, and then maybe some module content off of that, depending on how that sells. And then guess what? More dice. Yeah, more, they're gonna they're more different kinds of dice. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna introduce D10s and D100s, but they'll be custom of each, and uh, they'll you know they'll have special symbols on every side it's a d30 system now (laughs) (laughs) yeah that sounds about right yeah so another thing that i thought was cool in this uh this announcement is um edge studios also and we sort of touched on this a couple weeks ago uh creating the twilight imperium uh tabletop role-playing game and for free RPG day, uh, at the time of recording this, like last Saturday, they released a 40 page sample of that, which I started looking at a little bit this evening. But as Josh and I, as Josh mentioned, he and I are both very tired, so I haven't really had a chance to like thoroughly prosecute it. But I would like to come back and talk about that sometime. I was going to say, I think that in of itself will be an episode. Yeah, but no, it looks pretty cool. It looks pretty cool. Uh, so anyways, yeah, that's... I'm excited to get into that a little deeper. That's the Star Wars news. Our 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 canon of the Fantasy Flight RPG has been overwritten by something else. <laughs> well, um, but we're not done talking. Go ahead. Now we don't have to theorize about what's going on with that. We actually know. Yeah. I wish we could have been a little lazy and <laughs> maybe waited to do those episodes. But <laughs> we're not done talking about space and weird alien races and stuff. Uh, because uh, Wizards is uh, re-embracing their history of the multiverse, no doubt hoping to tie it in with the Doctor Strange movie next year. Uh, but uh, 
you know, stuff like Planescape and Spelljammer is coming back, and there's a new Unearthed Arcana that came out um, just, like, last week uh, that has some interesting stuff on it, also some kind of ridiculous stuff, because it's Unearthed Arcana, so it's balanced like a scale with a gram on one side and a kilogram on the other. So uh, we can uh, just touch on some of this, talk through some of the different things on it. Yeah, I uh, I I very quickly noticed that the first two characters listed, the first one is very interesting and the second is very broken. Yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> second one because I think you and I probably have the same reservations about it. In fact, you know what? Let's just go ahead and talk about the auto gnome. Yeah. All right. So first and foremost, uh, I have to give I have to give credit to Alex for this one. But it sounds like we should get in the gnome auto gnome. <laughs> Don't give her credit like, for that. She owes I, you for that. <laughs> I was like, I love that. I'm using it in the podcast. Uh huh. Here was <laughs> here was here's what I thought. You tell me if I'm wrong or right about this. But I first off, before we dive too deep down that hole. This UA has six new uh, races, essentially, to play, and they're all pulled from, you know, like like uh, the Super Friends, all from the vast corners of the universe um, as Wizards tries to resurrect more than just the Forgotten Realms uh, from, like, old classic D&D stuff. There's, there's the Thrycreen from uh, Dark Sun, there's the Gif from Spelljammer, and a lot of other stuff. But one of them... The one we're going to talk about first is this auto gnome. So if if you can't tell from the name alone, they're mechanical gnomes. It's basically a war forged, but in a gnome body instead of like a larger, more Goliath like form. The auto gnome. <laughs> so I read through this and immediately I think of that scene from Blade where they're like, he has all of their strengths and none of their weaknesses. Oh my God. Yes. So they've got all of the benefits of being a gnome. Basically. Uh, I think the only thing they're missing is uh, dark vision. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not even just that, like they're th the creature is a construct. So they have all the benefits of being mechanical and, and none of the weaknesses of really of being like organic, because even though they're mechanical, it says, uh, in addition, your creator has designed you to benefit from common spells that preserve life, but normally don't affect constructs like cure wounds, healing word, and spare the dying. Um, Which is nonsense, because yeah. they also get to use mending to get yeah. back a hit die, or to spend a hit die, instead of taking a short rest. Mm -hmm. And they get a shorter long rest period at six hours, where instead of, like, they're still completely alert, they're conscious. They're just not moving. It's like, again, like more benefits, more benefits. I think, I think oh. that's in line with a Warforged. The thing that messes me up on this is that their base armor class is 13 plus dex. So they get mage armor all the time. Mm -hmm. So if you're playing an auto gnome wizard or sorcerer, you don't ever have to spend a spell slot on mage armor because why would you? You already have it. Yeah. And with the mechanical nature trait on it, they've got resistance to poison, uh, dam immunity to disease, advantage on saving throws against paralyzation or poisoning. They don't need to eat, drink, or breathe. Like, I feel like you can either have that or you can have, you can be affected by cure wounds, healing words, spare the dying. Like, right. If you have enough organic content to be able to be cure wounds on... Mm -hmm. then you need to be feeding and breathing and etc. that organic content. Don't cure... you play these games with me, wizards? Yeah, cure wounds on a metallic creature is a welding torch. I love the mental image of that, where there's just like an artificer that's like, don't worry, I'll cast cure wounds on you. Mm -hmm. Tick, 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 woof. And then they have built for success as well. You can add one D4 to one attack roll ability check or saving throw you make. And you can do so after you see the D20 roll, but before the effects of the roll are resolved. Which... Yeah, it's like a low-grade bardic inspiration. Yeah. And 
you get the trait a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, regaining all expended uses when you finish a long rest, which is literally Bardic Inspiration, which means you can cast a low-grade Bardic Inspiration on yourself at level one. Like, it's it's nonsense. It's nonsense. Yeah, it's ridiculous. This The Autonome is way too powerful. It is the daywalker of, of this unearthed arcana. I almost I almost missed this on my initial read, but I think the cherry on top of this absolute nonsense pie is your walking speed is 30 feet, but your size is small. Yeah. Yeah. No like, other small creature gets that benefit. No other. Well, they're a robot, so they've got like Inspector Gadget legs so they can do long strides with them. They do. <laughs> do they do long strides or is it that when they start walking, their legs just like spin? no they just have wheels they don't even have legs (laughs) oh my god what if they've got heelys oh that would be fantastic that needs to be a magical (laughs) we sort of we dove into the numbers of it and the sort of the mechanics of it without like talking a little bit more about what the species actually is but basically they're mechanical beings built by rock gnomes in their image uh, and they're built to be like colleagues or companions or stuff like that. Sure. They often bear a resemblance to their creator. Um, I encourage everybody to check out this UA that came out on the wizard site. Um, they, they're programmed to speak. They can understand Gnomish. So they're like, obviously they're sapient because you can use them as a player character on this, but their construction, their method of construction can vary. Like, one of the examples on the thing, one autonome might have an actual heart beating in its chest cavity, while another might be powered by stardust or intricate clockwork gears, which, yeah, okay, so all that's flavor, okay? There's nothing affecting the mechanics about that. But it makes the true life thing with where they can be uh, affected by Cure Wounds, Healing Word, and Spare the Dying make less sense. If I cast Cure Wounds on a clock, it is not going to heal the clock. Like you could maybe get into a metaphysical argument where, you know, those kind of spells affect things with souls. I don't know. And maybe that's where it's coming from. But. Look, there's there's a much better exploration of this uh, in an anime called Chobits. And if uh, you like anime and you haven't seen Chobits, I definitely recommend checking it out, especially because it gets real weird right around the like last four episodes the uh the autonomes are very sad too because they give you a table to roll on to determine the autonomes history like because you know they're built by rock gnomes to be companions so it's like how did this how did your character end up out on their own it's like well your creator died you had to fend for yourself a malfunction caused you to harm your creator and you fled a glitch caused you to forget your original programming. You were stolen. You didn't like how you were being treated. How you were being treated, so you ran away from home. You felt trapped in the role you were built and a- for which you were built, and were abandoned by your creator. Like this is all awful. This is this is everybody who tries to create an edgy rogue all in a table. Like the the most wholesome of all of these is your creator gave you autonomy and urged you to follow your dreams. Yeah, that's the one I would use. I don't know that I would use any of these. Like, <laughs> I like the idea of just being an auto gnome that was built and then they were like, all right, we'll get this to somebody when they need, you know, a companion and then ends up never getting like off the shelf. And then the party comes along and activates them and it's like, Hello, I'll be your friend now. And they're like, I'm I'm sorry, you'll what? I'm I'm here to be your friend. That's that's my purpose in life. <laughs> um, That'd be me. That'd be me as an autonome. Yeah. And they can live for like five hundred years. So at a certain point it's like Highlander. Like they're walking around with no friends trying to find their purpose and dust in the wind is playing in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Yeah. That's there's a lot of stuff that's rough about this, but that in particular is like, geez. Yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, at the beginning of this UA, it has the name of each of the different races that are on here. And then it just has a quick little one sentence description for them. And autonome is a mechanical gnome gifted with free will, which glosses over a tremendous amount of the background for this race. Which one of the, which one of these do you want to talk about next? 
let's go let's go down the line a little bit because I know the GIF and the Thrycreen we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just want to touch on the Astral Elf real quick. Okay. Which once again they put like their most broken stuff at the top and their least broken stuff at the bottom of the UA because they know that people coming out to games are gonna be like, let me play the most broken things. Um the Astral Elf has a bunch of abilities. They're they're very similar to a standard elf, but they also get um keen senses, so they have proficiency and perception. They get radiant soul, which anytime they succeed on a death save, they can regain a number of hit points equal to proficiency plus intelligence, wisdom, or charisma Womp. once once per long rest. Which is like so you get an instant res for getting one successful death save. Cool. Um, they get to trance like elves. But when they trance, they can come out of their trance with two proficiencies. with uh, Each with a weapon or tool of their choice. And you just acquire those by drawing from your shared elven memory. And retain them until your next long rest. Which, like... I don't know that I like that because that means that you can have whatever proficiencies you want to have whenever you want to have them. Josh, am I allowed to curse on the podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Do you need to kobold yourself when you go to edit this? Because that's bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? So the astral elves trance and then they end up playing some sort of version of Minecraft? Like, like creating tool proficiencies and stuff while they sleep while they're while they're unconscious they open their third eye and communicate with all of their past selves so that they can know how to use a sword perfectly like it's it's such uh and it's like if you're gonna have them do that then the long rest needs to be twice as long as a standard long rest not half as long so here's Give me a 16-hour Astral Elf long rest. (laughs) Try avoiding monsters in the dungeon for 16 hours while you long rest. (laughs) And a short rest is going to be eight hours. Oh, God. Oh, no. No, the the thing I was going to say, and I know, like, part of this is, guys, it's a magic world and magic things can happen, but I... Tool proficiencies and things like that, especially weapon proficiencies, I feel like you gotta take time to learn how that works and build the muscles associated with that thing. Like, in the Matrix, when he's like, I know Kung Fu, and then suddenly, like, he can fight people outside of the Matrix as well, I'm like, no, no, because your muscles can't do that in the real world because they're not trained at all. Yeah, I mean, this basically is like the magic matrix. Yeah. Lay down for four hours and learn up to two things, whatever you want for the day. (laughs) It's nonsense. (laughs) Like you have a you start a new job that you got that you weren't qualified for. You're like, oh, no. So you have to transfer four hours to learn like uh, like payroll accounting or something like that. Thank God so many of my past lives knew payroll accounting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that to me is just like, maybe maybe in practice, like, it's like, well, they're not, if you're playing right, you're not going to have, you know, I'm putting right in quotes, like, you're not going to have a long rest all the time. So, you know, you got to just pick and choose. But I think I think most GMs are pretty liberal about that kind of thing. I will say, I think most GMs are also pretty liberable about... Liberable. We're going to leave that in. Liberable. I think most GMs are pretty liberal about giving you opportunities to pick up proficiencies for items that you really want to be able to use, but that you didn't think you'd want to be able to use at the start of the game as Mm -hmm. well. Like, I don't... They're solving a problem that I'm not sure exists. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Ah. (laughs) <laughs> like i i don't even have anything else to say other than like that's just i think that is a poor design choice all right let's let's move down to uh wizards of the coast's greatest meme yet the gif 
who also sometimes pronounce their names Jeff. Boo. That literally is in the description. And it's it's like half of them say it with a hard G, half of them say it with a soft G. Disagreements over the correct pronunciation often blossom into hard feelings, loud arguments, and headbutting contests, but rarely escalate beyond that. I was reading through this and I started reading that like first I read that first sentence of that paragraph and I was like, oh no. And then I read the rest of it. I was like, ah, I was right. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, GIF are basically uh, Rocksteady from uh, Ninja Turtles, except they're hippos, not rhinoceros. Um, they're they're spacefaring rhinoceros mercenaries who like guns. Which is pretty rad. Let's be real. Um, yeah. I noticed that I, I can't imagine that many uh, GIF are going to be barbarians because they already have advantage on strength based ability checks and strength saving throws and then mm -hmm. additionally uh they've got a thing called damage dealer which lets them re-roll a one on a damage die for melee attacks um once per turn once per turn is a lot it's i would excessive. think i would think once per combat would be enough on something like that yeah yeah i think once per combat would probably be fine and once per turn is a lot it feels to me because i went back and reread the um forgotten realms wiki uh entry for the gif which is really focused on like second edition gif because gif from spelljammer that was sort of the heyday of spelljammer and everything like that and it was talking about just how like they have uh i mean first of all we're not exaggerating they're uh, anthropomorphic hippopotami so like that's exactly what they are but their um heads have sort of a kind of a chitinous shell around it so it's like a natural helmet they're basically just tanks they're unstoppable tanks and yet for whatever reason they are like it lists them as size medium but it it should give them some more hardiness it should maybe make them operate at kind of a larger size kind of um I, I don't know like they should be more i don't want to say deadly but more scary based on how they've been traditionally and i'm not trying to be like super tied into how it, how it's been before but i'm not seeing a whole lot in this ua to warrant making them their own race kind of like it's like the opposite extreme from autonome autonome had too much stuff going on and it was too crazy gif is hippo people what else you got for me so something we did not talk about um which is kind of at the top of this particular unearthed arcana is ability score increases Mm -hmm. They now have listed as being increase one score by two and another by one or increase three by one. So as far as like, oh, they should probably have like better constitution, better strength, stuff like that. You get to make those calls um, based on these rules, which I think is great because that's something that I think a lot of us were doing anyway at our mm -hmm. home games. But I will say like having them be a medium sized humanoid uh, but they get large sized humanoid like strength for carrying, pushing, dragging, lifting. Mm -hmm. I'd hmm, hmm. I would have just rather they be a large sized humanoid with everything that goes with that. That just make that makes more sense to me. This feels very much like when the Centaur UA came out and they're like, Yeah, well what about ladders? I mean, yeah. They could yeah, don't worry about it. Don't think about it too much. Like, it, it just seems like they were trying to thread the needle on it to try to make them not a large creature. Uh, look, look, we all know that the solution to that problem is that all centaur are uh, man torso with man body. <laughs> Where it's it's just hands and legs all the way down. No, all centaurs should be Bojack Horseman. I mean that also works, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm trying to think the first time centaur. I think I saw a character like that 
was a Zelda 2 Link. There's like the first dungeon boss is one of those guys with a morning star. And I was like, dang, that's cool. A reverse centaur? Yeah, it's just a, a horse head on a man body and he's in a suit of armor and he's swinging a morning star. Around. Are you talking about Zelda 2 Link's Adventure? Yeah. For, for the NES? Yeah. That game was garbage. I loved that game. Don't look, we can have this fight off stream. Uh <laughs> Zelda is not a side scrolling game. I enjoyed that game and I will fight you in particular for telling people not to enjoy that game cuz I did. Uh-huh. Um let's let's keep the let's keep the UA rolling. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, another thing about GIF which I hope that they translate into this fifth edition version of them because this was part of the second edition of the GIF. Number one, they hate magic. They um, they like spell like the spelljammer ships. You you're required to have you know magic ability to be able to navigate them. The GIF hire people to to fly the ships for them because they are distrustful of magic and they hate it. Um, also, that's amazing. Yeah. Also, they love guns. Like. They uh, their whole culture is built up around uh, those kind of weapons. And they actually like their currency for the most part is basically like the fantasy version of black powder. Like if you hire a platoon of GIF, uh, you pay them in X amount of black powder. I love this. Mm -hmm. I love all of this. I, I also hope they bring all of that back. I mean, and I understand I why they wouldn't put some of that stuff on here, because this is just a like a three and a half page ua for playtesting but i hope i hope they do that because that brings a lot of character to these so it's more than just an anthropomorphic hippopotamus yeah it gives them a, gives them a little more life and a little more enthusiasm mm -hmm. um one of one of the races we have are the hadazi which i've I never heard of uh they're basically flying squirrel monkeys mm-hmm they are they are people with simian features and flying squirrel netting between their limbs, so they can they can glide instead of taking fall damage, um, and they can also, uh, travel. What is it? Five feet horizontally for every one foot they descend, which mm -hmm. is pretty rad. Like. I'm not huge on Aarakocra with fly speeds at level one in a lot of my games because I'm mm -hmm. like, but I wanted to use a swamp puzzle and you're you're going to just like really you're going to do me like this. Oh, I'm sorry the you know, the growth, the overgrowth and just sort of the canopy of the swamp. It's just way too much for you to be able to spread your wings or even get more than a foot off the ground. <laughs> there is a dense blanket of fog. So you flying up into the air really doesn't do you any good. <laughs> Um, no. So like gliding, I think is a nice kind of compromise between those two things because it gives you some of the flexibility of being able to climb up to high places and then glide over to other places without having the, the ability to just be like, oh, I'll scout ahead, fly up 60 feet in the air, fly out 120 feet over the enemy encampment and see what's going on over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If it's nighttime, you're not going to be seen. <laughs> Um, um, I know we're I know we're not saying a whole lot about them, but honestly, this is about how much they gave us for this race uh, that and the fact that their feet can be used uh, to activate things so you can use an object as a bonus action. Mm -hmm. That's the whole write up. So astral elves and auto gnomes get all of the things we talked about. And the Hadazi get gliding and use an object they also have an instinctual sense of community uh and they are known to they are compelled to cultivate friendships i mean i i dig that from the perspective of like here is your reason for wanting to be part of an adventuring party like mm -hmm. i i'm all about having stuff like that be part of like a race description it's just it's just a weak sauce for a unique trait yeah Exactly. Well, and like, given everything that auto gnomes and astral elves got, I'm like, why are you only giving 
the gif and these hadazi why are you only giving them two things why is that all they get like the come on guys come yeah on. like if you're gonna go to the trouble of giving them a separate listing like flesh it out a little bit more yeah at least like you know i complained that they left out some stuff on the gif but like the gif have like a very deep sort of history in the game that you can draw from to help fill in a lot of those holes and maybe the Hadazi will too. I'm just, and maybe they do. And I'm just not familiar with them because I've never heard of them before. Maybe. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's Unearthed Arcana. So like maybe they've done stuff with them before and maybe this is something brand new. Mm -hmm. It's one of those where if I don't do the research, I don't actually know. Oh, snap. I looked on the Forgotten Realms wiki because I was curious. And so there is a listing for Hadazi on there. Um, it is different, really, from the one that we're looking at, because it doesn't really talk. Okay, let's see. Okay, it's got, all right, it's got a membrane for flying. Uh, this has them looking more like orangutans or, or, or gorillas than anything. I mean, all it says here is simian-like features. Yeah. It's also very, the listing on the Forgotten Realms wiki is very weak too. Oh, they're curious with unquenchable optimism. Uh, they give little consideration to the ethics and morals of other races and simply want to do good and happy work. They have a great love of the elves. Um, and apparently they're known as wanderers and sailors. Um, they had no spell jamming capability. Um, uh, presumably because they don't do a lot of magic. So, yeah, so... Alright, so I stand corrected that these guys have a history, but it seems like they were more of a background player than somebody up at the forefront, like the, the GIF or the Thrykreen. They The more you describe them, the more they remind me of the legend of Wukong, the Monkey King. Mm-hmm. Which is a it's you mean a Goku? Chinese legend. No, <laughs> Goku is based on Wukong. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, so apparently they're pirate apes, basically, because they have their culture is built around sailing. I mean, piratical apes does sound really cool. Mm -hmm. I'm about that, but they're like friendly pirate apes i guess they must be like maybe they're more like merchants like seafaring merchant i don't know i don't know yeah i don't want to get the... too hung up on them because wizards hasn't give us a, given us anything to get hung up on when the multiverse book comes out we'll spend a lot of time doing a deep dive yeah i think that's fair um the next group we've got and this is the point where i was like wait a minute uh the next group are plasmoids, mm -hmm. which are basically slime people. Mm -hmm. uh, you are an ooze for creature type. They're and... the founders from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> uh, and you can you can change your shape. You can change your size from medium to small. Uh, you can fit through. Uh, where is it? Yeah, you can squeeze through a space as narrow as one inch wide, provided you are wearing and carrying nothing. You also have advantage on ability checks you make to initiate or escape a grapple. I think that's rad as hell. Mm -hmm. I think that's super cool. I'm a little concerned that having a creature that can just slide into a like one inch gap in a wall uh, will lead to some very chaotic situations. But I like a little chaos in my games, so I, I like it. I like it. Um, they've got a few other things. They've got dark vision. They can hold their breath for an hour. Um, they, of course, because they're an ooze, have resistance to acid and poison damage, and they have advantage on saving throws against being poisoned. The really big thing for them is they can shapeshift. So they can give themselves as many arms as they want, uh, like one or two. They can give themselves one or two legs. They can give themselves a head. They can make makeshift hands and feet. Or they could just roll around as a blob. One thing I like about this 
is it talks about their sensory organs. It says, well, they don't have internal organs. Uh, their bodies are composed of cells, fibers, and plasma-like ooze, clusters of nerves called ganglia. And they those nerves are what enable them to detect light, heat, sound, vibrations. So the way I read this, theoretically, the way they perceive a plasmoid could have 360 degree awareness. Yeah. Unless you want to make a rule where like, okay, well you have this sort of bundle of nerves and that's essentially your brain and you can only orient it in one particular way um, at any given time. But I like the idea that they can see like all around them at once. Yeah. I think that's cool. And I, I don't see why. I mean, Except, like, with the exception of uh, rogue sneak attacks, you know, like, I'm I'm still willing to give rogues sneak attacks on them if they manage to roll their stealth well enough. But mm -hmm. I think, I think I, by nature, would expect plasmoids to be very perceptive because they're not reliant on just their eyes or just their ears or anything like that. Mm -hmm. If you had a plasmoid rogue, they could get around like uh, a trap on a door lock just by going underneath the door. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is the sort of chaos I'm talking about. And the way I would handle that is like, okay, so you slip into this, you slip into this trap door unnoticed, uh, but also there's a bunch of goblins down there. Yeah. And now you're alone <laughs> on the side of the trap door with all the goblins. Yeah. Shift yourself out of that one, Odo. <laughs> So at this point, reading through the UA, I was like, this sounds an awful lot like the uh, energy creatures from Faster Than Light. And literally the next race are the Thrycreen, which are insectoids with two pairs of arms and a protective chitin. And I was like, all right, all right, what's going on here? Because this is this went from kind of faster than light to very faster than light very quickly. When you're talking about that, are you talking about like the game, like the computer yeah, game from like 2012? Yeah. I mean, it's on more systems than computer these days, but right. yeah, I'm talking about, it's like a top down game where you are the captain of a ship and you recruit people. The space roguelike. Yeah, it's a space roguelike where you're trying to get away from the evil Empire Armada and warn the Rebel fleet. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's vice versa. I can't I've never, remember. I've never played it. Do they have like stuff like Thrycreen and Plasmoids in it? They have something kind of like the Plasmoid, except they're an energy-based race. Mm -hmm. um, so they can, they can help power systems just by being at them. Mm -hmm. uh, they have something like the Thrycreen that are called the Mantis who mm -hmm. are exceptional combatants because they've literally got like claws for hands. Um, they're not the, the mantis are a little tough because they tend to be very like easily made hostile. Uh, but as crewmates, they're great if somebody tries to board your ship cause they really mess them up. Yeah. I'm betting that, uh, that FTL was inspired by this stuff and not the other way around. Oh, uh, is this all Spelljammer stuff? Not all of it. Um, like Thrycreen are pretty much from Dark Sun. That was from uh, 91, like 9091. Spelljammer was like from 89, I think. All right. Are you are you trying to tell me that having a uh, multi like multi alien species ship crew uh, venturing around in outer space and having weird adventures isn't a unique concept to the faster than light video game. I'm afraid that is what I'm telling you, <laughs> man. Yeah. All right. So, so I came in here thinking that FTL got ripped off when in fact FTL was doing the ripping off all along. How old do you think second edition is? <laughs> I, I know second edition is old. I, so here's 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 the confession. The confession is I never really explored Spelljammer or Dark Sun that deeply. Mm -hmm. I was aware of them on a very surface level basis. Spelljammer uh, being, you know, you've got like sailing ships, but in space because magic and bubbles and you get to explore other planets. And so there's alien races for some of those things. Uh, Dark Sun, I'm even less familiar with. So 
it sounds like someone on this podcast knows what they're talking about and maybe i should just let him talk about these things no i mean like i've never actually played in a spelljammer campaign we we were when i was in uh high school back in the 90s we were strictly playing like uh, forgotten realms at the tables that i played not even not even greyhawk or <laughs> anything older we were we were playing forgotten realms the whole time so uh, a buddy of mine, though, was super into Dark Sun, and it's like his favorite setting. And it's actually like really cool. And I would like for us to spend an episode or two just talking about how awesome Dark Sun is sometime, especially if Wizards does what we've been asking them to do for years and actually give us a fifth edition Dark Sun. Um, side note, there is a spiritual sequel to Dark Sun uh, called Dragon Kings that was written by the lead designer of dark sun and it's actually a system neutral source book for the setting end of uh digression no that's i mean if we're getting this stuff in unearthed arcana i think that's a pretty safe bet that at the very least they're interested in dipping their toes back in that water yeah. i mean we already know that we're getting that multiverse book because they've they've announced that um, I'm just hopeful that that's also going to translate into just a full on Dark Sun book because I can't like. Having a Strahd book and a Ravenloft book is great. Let's there's a lot here that we can mine that people really want to see because Dark Sun's awesome. It's a destroyed world like magic's basically illegal. Dragons run the whole place um, like everybody's scrapping to survive. It's amazing. I really like before we talk about Thrycreen, I'll just there is a magisterial three hour video that somebody put up on YouTube that is the entire history of like the setting of Dark Sun, not like from a metatextual perspective where we're talking about the publication history or anything. It's like the beginning of the world of Athos all the way through. Um, I ended up watching it during the ice storm in February because I had it downloaded to my tablet when the power was out. It is amazing, and I encourage everybody to watch it. I'll put the link to it in the description of this video of this uh, podcast. If you ever want to learn about Dark Sun and you don't want to buy a bunch of out of print books on eBay, that's the way to do it. <laughs> but anyway, well, sounds... talking about Dark Sun, <laughs> it sounds like we might be learning more about Dark Sun uh, in the near future hopefully with a full release as you said yeah but in the meantime so, we'll have to make do with uh this uh unearthed arcana of the thrycreen <laughs> so the thrycreen uh creature type is a monstrosity which uh rude uh they can be medium or small and you get to you get to pick your walking speed is 30 feet i would have a little bit of gripes with that because again like if you're going to be small and you're not going to have the walking speed of 25 feet like mm -hmm. come on guys but also, they are they're an insectoid race. I've seen insects move pretty fast, even the little tiny ones. So, I don't know. I might give them that one. Mm -hmm. um, they also get mage armor all the time, which I think is messed up. And uh, they can change color of their carapace as an action to blend in and get advantage on stealth checks to hide in their surroundings. I actually think that's pretty cool. I think that's awesome. I just think that stacked with everything else that they get, it's yeah. like, all right, all right, cut, cut some of these things and give them to a different race. Yeah, you could. <laughs> you, sh you should either get the defense buffs or the stealth buffs. Like, it doesn't make any sense to get both unless you want to overpower something. And traditionally, Thrycreen are a warrior race who are known for just beating the crap out of people because they're super big and super strong. So eh, they should probably get the defense bonus rather than the sneak bonus. They get dark vision. Um, I think the coolest thing that they've got, like they've got a couple of other things we haven't gotten into yet, but I think the coolest thing they get is this secondary arms mm -hmm. ability, which gives them two slightly smaller secondary arms that are allowed to hold a weapon with the light property. Yeah. But, but uh, on, only yeah, only light weapons. No shields and no other kinds of weapons. 
Well, maybe a Thracrian will make an alliance with a GIF and they'll give them two light pistols powered by that black powder. <laughs> I hopefully I would love to play uh, a charismatic Thracrian that was like uh, with like a high dex and was a card sharp and they could hide aces and stuff in their secondary arms like in their <laughs> hands there. I think that would be a really cool way to play that. I was picturing a game of uh, Find the Lady being particularly difficult to track as played by a Thrycreen. <laughs> so uh, the the last two abilities they've got, one of them is that they've got Sleepless Revitalization. Uh, much like a Warforged, they can be fully conscious while they're asleep, as long as they remain mostly motionless so that, you know, they get the benefit of resting. See, this 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 one, though, just says... You must refrain from strenuous activity. So theoretically, a Thracrian could just sit there reading or watching television or something and would get the benefit of the long rest. Oh, God, you're right. No, I hate that. Yeah. Come they, on. They could be practicing their game of final lady. As <laughs> <laughs> long as they're not going too fast. Mm -hmm. And then their final ability is they have telepathy which allows them to communicate mentally with any number of willing creatures they can see within 120 feet. They do not need to share a language, uh, but the creature has to be able to understand at least one language. And then uh, your telepathic link is broken if you and the creature move more than 120 feet, blah, 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 blah. And that that's really more flavor than anything because they have in the descriptor, like Thrycreens speak by clacking their mandibles and waving their antenna, indicating to other Thrycreens what they're thinking and feeling. Um, so they wanted to sort of have their cake and eat it too, that, um, the Thrycrane communicate differently and it's inscrutable to non-Thrycrane, but also everybody can understand them because they rely on a form of telepathy. I think if you really wanted to go in a, like a fun direction with something like that, the threat, like the Thrycrane don't have telepathy, like it's it's going to be like them talking to the party is going to be Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Uh, but hopefully you've got like, you know, a wizard or somebody like that who can cast some sort of like spell to speak with them on occasion. It would just it would make role playing a bit more interesting and challenging, I think. I'm inclined to agree with that. I understand that not everybody wants to have that degree of difficulty where it's like, oh, how do we communicate with this character? Mm -hmm. But you could have it be that, like, they're proficient in a, like, hand signal language. Mm -hmm. Or you could have it be, like... Hunts and gestures. Right. Like, there's there's multiple solutions to this particular problem without going, ah, we'll just give them telepathy. Yeah. I would even appreciate if in the description it talked about the telepathy option, but then said, or if you really want to challenge yourself as a role player, think about this. Yeah, I mean, they only used half of the final page, so it's not like they didn't have room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, overall, the impression I'm getting from you on this Unearthed Arcana is uh, interesting but needs work. I, I have the same problem with this Unearthed Arcana than I do with most Unearthed Arcana, which is that it, to me, reads like they sat down, they wrote a bunch of stuff, they didn't play test it at all, and they published it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, guys, you all play D and D at least some of the time. Play well, test it a little bit, jeez. Well, I mean, the whole point of putting out on Earth Arcana is to get people to do their play testing for them for free. I mean, yes, and I get that. So, eh, my thing is like. You know how these games work. You know how these tables run. I can only assume that they're involved in, like, Adventurer's League. Take balance into consideration when you're writing these things so that the people who are doing your playtesting for you aren't like, Jesus Christ, they broke another one. <laughs> I mean, I'm... Clearly, I've got problems with some of the stuff on these uh, four pieces of paper here. However, I'm more excited for what this means, because what it means is 
you know, they're really putting a little bit of thought into how to differentiate the, the stuff in the multiverse book that's coming back. So it's not just sort of the same old crap. And, you know, I say that not to denigrate the existing crap, but more of the same <laughs> is not fun. Um, you know, let's 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 try and let's try and do some stuff that's different. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of this is pulling from things that existed before, but it's also like different from some of the existing things for 5e that we have now. So it gives more options. Um, I've been clamoring for more world options for a while, like different settings like Spelljammer, Dark Sun, all that stuff. So it looks like we're finally making some movement in that direction. You know, back in the day, Ravenloft really felt like its own world, but I don't really think it has that feel anymore. Um, and I really don't know why I feel that, but I think... I think what they're trying to do with the multiverse book is going to go in that direction that I'm looking for to really give a sense of uniqueness to other settings that you can play in. I will say for all my griping, I am excited to see them trying new things, doing characters that are a little off the beaten track. We've got humanoids that are animal analogous that are not your traditional like wolf people or, you know, something like that. We've got a slime race and an insect race, both of which I'm really keen on seeing added to game worlds and seeing how they interact. You know, do you, if you're playing in a standard game and you allow your player to be a Thrycreen, like, do people just accept that there is a large insect man walking around? Mm -hmm. Or are they like, uh, uh, should I be worried? And then the party has to be like, no, he's cool. He's cool. Don't worry about it. He's not the kind that will cut you in half and eat your children. Ooh, what happens if um, a plasmoid uh, is down in a dungeon and gets uh, eaten by a gelatinous cube? Is that like well, the immovable object and the unstoppable force? <laughs> I have to assume... That part of the reason they gave them uh, resistance to acid and poison damage is so that if they get consumed by a gelatinous cube, they're at the very least at less risk. Yeah, I do. I do really think if you're going to play a character that different, you really should look at that 360 perception. Um, that's a race where I would say like maybe telepathy works a little bit more for them. It goes out of its way in the plasmoid description to talk about how they can create sound by like create shape shifting like tubes in themselves and forcing air out of it to speak. I think that's a bit of a lift for a description. I think it would have made more sense to take the Thrycreen's telepathy, move it over there, and Thrycreen develop their own like hand signals, grunts and gestures kind of language. I mean, I I can kind of see it both ways, honestly. Mm -hmm. I really like the idea of a, like, blob creature just, like, oozing up to you, taking a vaguely humanoid shape, and then being like, hello, fellow human. And you're like, absolutely not. <laughs> uh <laughs> Roll for Uncanny Valley. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm all about that. Cause like, these are, these are going to be really fascinating characters to see played at a table. Um, uh, they're going to be really fascinating characters to see like what players do with them and things like that. Like, I'm excited to see these out in the wild. Mm -hmm. I'm not excited to see some of their abilities out in the wild, but that's usually the case when I'm reading on Earth Arcana. Oprah, Oprah's at Wizards headquarters like you get mage armor and you get mage armor and you get mage armor everybody gets mage armor <laughs> unless you're a hadazi or a gif and then <laughs> you just get right out because apparently you get nothing I mean gliding's not nothing but like come on guys this was probably my f like favorite uh, unearthed arcana to read and talk about in a while if I'm being honest I mean, I think it's I think it's a lot of unique stuff that's really interesting. And that's mm -hmm. what you and I enjoy talking about when it comes to D&D &D in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I feel that, too.
Yeah. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, you know, go to uh, the Wizards website. They've got uh, Travelers of the Multiverse, Unearthed Arcana up there. Download it. Take a look at it. Tell us if you agree with us or if you don't, because we could be way off base because we, you know, what do our opinions count for? Uh, but fight uh, us, fight us in the comments. Yeah. Fight us in the Discord. Yeah. Um, and and as always, remember, none of this stuff is legal in Adventurers League. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason they don't let it be legal in Adventurers League because they know it's busted. <laughs> uh, but that's all we got for you this week. Uh, we'll catch you all next time. Thank you all for joining. I'm Josh Maltby at Black Cloak DM on Twitter. Uh, I'm Brandon Dingus at uh, Way of Brandalore on Twitter. Uh, be sure to follow us on Discord, uh, bit.ly slash goblin discord. We also have a Patreon. Check that out. Um, and, you know, comment, complain at us. Everybody have a good week. <laughs> Bye, y'all.